you're not fooling anyone. We think if we just pretend we're okay or we don't think about what's going on for us that the rest of the world doesn't see it either. But it's not true. And so the more you address and can be open about what's going on and how you're feeling, the greater the chance that you will experience something that someone will pick up on and you'll be able to find a way to have some, first of all, relief that will come from that and joy that you really can enjoy things and also feel all of your other feelings. Those things are not mutually exclusive. But when we don't allow ourselves to feel anything, we exclude all of the feelings, the bad and the good. It's only by allowing yourself to feel the negative and communicate that that you'll be able to also make room for some of that joy. Welcome to Financially Ever After Widowhood, the podcast where we empower women to take control of their financial future after the loss of a spouse. I'm your host, Stacey Francis, President and CEO of Francis Financial, an award-winning and nationally recognized financial advisory firm. With the help of incredible guests, I'm ready to guide you through this challenging transition. Welcome to the All About Holidays podcast today. We have our special guest, Jordan Schwartz-Hendon, who is a cognitive behavioral and grief coach. And today we are tackling a tough topic, getting through the holidays after the loss of your spouse. Jordan shares that during this time, you're not only dealing with the loss of the presence of your loved one, but also there are so many other secondary losses, losses of having that person to experience the holidays of what your traditions have been in the past, losses such as financial losses and a lack of being able to feel sometimes financially secure. Jordan talks about the pitfalls that some widows fall into, becoming a doer and super busy during the holidays or an isolator and really keeping themselves away from interacting with their family and their loved ones. Jordan gives us an alternative path to move forward to be able to go through this time period where you can experience true joy, but at the same time, recognize the sadness that you have. And make sure you stay to the end because Jordan gives a really straightforward and simple exercise talking about your core values and why this exercise is so important is it's going to allow you to go through one of the most expensive times of the year in a way that you can keep your financial security and peace of mind at the forefront. So without further ado, please help me welcome our special guest today, Jordan Schwartz-Hendon, who is, again, a professional certified coach, a grief expert, and someone that is going to change your life. Well, Jordan, we're so excited to have you here today to talk about a topic that is a little tough, 
how to get through the holidays times where there's all these Hallmark movies on TV and you walk past the stores and there's couples holding hands and one is giving a gift. And it just can be really, really overbearing during the holiday season. And I'm just so happy that you're here to talk about some coping tips, some tools, and also to share your experience. Thank you so much for having me. Yes, you're absolutely right. The holidays in general can be triggering enough that when you add to that trauma and grief and loss, it can be just overwhelming. And there are ways to help yourself and your loved ones get through it in a way that can be not only acceptable, but really powerful. And how do you come to this today? What is your connection? What does that look like? So I'm actually the child of a widower. I lost my mother when I was 15, and it was a very sudden loss that really informed everything I did and everything I have become since then. I also was very close to my maternal grandmother, who became a widow twice over. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Once in her early 50s and then once again in her late 70s. And watching her experience those different losses in the first loss, she was not financially prepared. And she was in a terrible situation where the estate had not been settled. Uh Her husband's children were fighting over the finances, and she essentially had to start over. After building herself back and going through all of that and finding another love so late in life and losing them again, but this time really being taken care of, it just reflected to me how different experiences can be around this topic. Mm -hmm. For better or worse, I'm 47, and it's getting to the point where I have a lot of friends whose parents are starting to pass away. Two of my closest friends, in fact, lost their fathers in the last two years. And again, just reflecting on how at different points in our lives we're affected by these different kinds of loss really brought me to want to coach around that and look at my own loss and how I've been affected and what that looks like. And this is more than 30 years later because we don't get over loss. We move forward, but we don't necessarily move on from a loss that's occurred. Yeah. I think about the holidays a lot. It reminds me of my mom. She passed away 14 years ago. And Jordan, she had usually three, sometimes four Christmas trees in our house. Mm -hmm. There were lights on the outside. And it's one of those things where you say you don't get over, but you move on. That's why I'm so excited to talk about how do we move on, but not forget and be able to enjoy the holidays. Because I think that it's very hard, particularly for women whose spouses have passed away. And maybe it's only been a year, maybe it's only been three, four or five years. And it can make it very difficult 
to move forward when you feel this intense sadness, loneliness, anger, confused, feeling numb that I find tends to bubble up even more so towards the top when we're in the holiday time period. I feel like grief is even harder during the holidays. Do you see that as well? I do. I think what makes the holidays and grief so complicated is it's a time when the expectation is that of happiness and joy. Yeah. These are really positive memories that we might have. And we want to treasure that and we want to keep being able to experience that. And the reality is that may not be where we're at. And when we put this pressure on ourselves, which many of my clients do, they feel that the only way to get through the holidays is to sort of shut down their own feelings of loss or their grief and put it on a box and put it on a shelf so that they can create a sort of image of being happy and being what they might say, like, I just want to be normal. I just want to have a normal, happy holiday. Of course you do. That's completely understandable. But that doesn't mean that that's going to look like what it looked like before. In the past. past, Right. Yeah. There's all these different ways of coping of that image. Everything's fine. And having that as your suit of armor. Some women, though, that suit of armor is almost isolating themselves, trying to essentially escape from that bombardment of holiday celebrations. And understandably, the last thing that many widows want to do or be around are blissfully happy people while they're looking at their life and their life is crumbling. Going out there and doing every single event that you've been invited to and having that suit of armor of like, everything's fine, but then the opposite of staying at home and not engaging at all, you know, and having that be your suit of armor too, I imagine neither one is really like the perfect solution. So I'm throwing it to you, expert Jordan. What are your thoughts around this? So what you're describing, I sort of term as the isolator or the doer. Those two extremes come because we are so uncomfortable in our own sadness that we go either to doing, which is what you're describing, right? I'm going to go to everything, or in many cases, it's I'm going to be the architect. You know, you talked about the way your mom had all these Christmas trees and whatever our role has been in the past, we lean into that as a place of comfort. Oftentimes it is the women who are orchestrating a lot of the holidays and preparing the Christmas party or the holiday meal or the gathering of families. And so they lean into that as comfort, not really recognizing that that's not where you're at and that's okay. The opposite of that is the isolator who shuts down completely and can't acknowledge because they feel it's too painful. What both of these identities have in common is the the idea, and I think, you know, again, unfortunately, as women, we place this burden unnecessarily on ourselves that we have to be completely responsible for our own and other people's happiness 
or sadness or grief or we don't recognize that it is okay to ask for support or to Uh not be okay and still be around other people that love us. And this is particularly true when we think about, I think there are two types of widows that really exist right now. What I call stigmatized widows who are women who have lost their partners and are either 45 or younger and have small children or children still in school versus normalized widows who are a little older, they have grown children, and they experience widowhood very differently. Of course, there are overarching similarities when you lose a loved one, a partner, that feeling of loss. But it almost is in the inverse of what women experience when they go through a divorce. Women who are younger at the same age range in their 40s, it's normalized to be divorced. People can relate to you. They understand it. They're not afraid to talk to you about it. The same way when you're older and you're a widow, that too is very normalized. And while people might be a bit uncomfortable around any form of loss and addressing people when they've experienced that, it's much, much harder when you are part of a stigmatized group that is the abnormal. So Uh when you experience widowhood as a middle-aged woman with young children, people don't know how to deal with that. And so they tend to shut you out because Uh they're uncomfortable. And that can be the biggest pain point that I see for this age group of women. And when we're talking about the holidays, the difference there really is a young mother who has smaller children or teenage children does not have the same luxury of dismissing the holidays or not acknowledging them because of their own grief. They need to be able to manage their grief in a way that allows them to be there for their kids. Whereas someone who has grown children The opposite is true. They have the ability to really lean on their kids and allow their children to help them get through this first year or several years of loss. So they really have a sort of opposite effect depending upon where you are in your stage of life. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you're so right. If you have young children, you can't not celebrate the holidays, whether it's Hanukkah or it's Christmas or whatever holidays are important to you in your life, it's almost like you can't escape. You have to find that healthy balance to be able to bring them in. And I feel like this next question is helpful for not only the stigmatized younger widows, but also the more normalized older widows. How do you figure out what the right social bandwidth is, the social bandwidth that you have for being with others and celebrating during this time? That's a great question, Stacey. And I think it comes out of identifying what your primary loss is versus your secondary losses. What I mean by that is... Yeah, because I'd love to hear like primary, we think of one loss. Right. But you're saying that there's also secondary losses as well. Absolutely. And frankly, 
the secondary losses that come are the ones that follow us the longest because we don't recognize them. We don't talk about them. It doesn't occur to us that they even exist. But what Mm -hmm. secondary loss looks like is loss of identity. So just starting there, who am I without my partner? Loss of future. I envisioned Mm -hmm. a future with this person and it was going to look like this. And we were going to have this during the holidays and every year. And that is gone. Loss of financial stability for a time may also be part of that. You know, well, every year we go crazy with the grandchildren and getting all these gifts. Or this year we were going to get so-and-so a car and now I don't have the ability to do that. Those losses, these secondary losses that we talk about actually come to be the ones that impact the most because they're not recognized and they're not dealt with. We just assume that it's the loss of the person's presence and that is really all we have to recognize. And it's so much more than that. You know me, I'm the financial person. And so women are coming to us after their spouse has passed away to really rebuild their financial life. I will tell you that the holidays become, for many of them, even more stressful because we know all the statistics where on average women's income goes down by as much as a third after the loss of their spouse. When you look at the number of people living in poverty above age 65, one of the top populations are female widowers. You have then all of this pressure as well to keep things the same mm-hmm. when it isn't necessarily possible. So do you recommend, Jordan, having the conversation, just like having a family powwow of like, okay, this is where we're at. And I imagine that conversation looks differently if you've got young children versus if you have adult children. What are some of your thoughts? I think that the first thing that's really crucial is understanding what your secondary losses are and acknowledging Mm, them. Yep. Because... If you don't do that, then you really aren't in a place to be able to understand or address these other things that we're talking about. Once you realize, okay, this is what I'm dealing with. These are my secondary losses. Chances are that some of your loved ones, particularly children, are also dealing with those kinds of secondary losses. And so helping to gather as a family, whether that's a very small, just you and your children, or if there's an extended family that you're very close with, and just having an open conversation around, here's what I'm dealing with right now. Here's what's Mm -hmm. really coming up for me. And I want to enjoy the holidays, but I don't know how. I don't know what to do is intimidating, but so necessary. Because I'll tell you something, you're not fooling anyone. We think if we just pretend we're okay or we don't think about what's going on for us that the rest of the world doesn't see it either, but it's not true. And so the more you address and can be open about what's going on and how you're feeling, the greater the chance that you will experience something that someone will pick up on and you'll be able to find a way to have some, first of all, relief 
that will come from that. And joy, that you really can enjoy things and also feel all of your other feelings. Those things are not mutually exclusive. But when we don't allow ourselves to feel anything, we exclude all of the feelings, the bad and the good. It's only by allowing yourself to feel the negative and communicate that, that you'll be able to also make room for some of that joy. It's interesting what you're sharing. And the one thing that pops into my mind is how much energy it takes to pretend that everything's okay. This is no comparison, but just something very small. So I did the New York City Triathlon. Along the course, they have those photographers. I remember saying, okay, Stace, there's a photographer. I'm going to be there in about 30 seconds. You got to get your act together. You got to put a smile on, thumbs up as well. It's almost like I had to just collect myself of like, all right, I can do this. And I did it and I smiled and it was great. It was like, I looked really healthy and this triathlon was nothing for me. But even just that small act in that small moment took a huge amount of energy with something that's not even a smidge as difficult as what our listeners are facing. So a question of knowing that being an isolator isn't the right 100% solution, being a doer is not. And back to that question of the social bandwidth, and if you're not able to attend all the events that you had in the past, how do you gracefully decline? How do you navigate those situations? So I think the first thing that we need to recognize is that you need to do a bit of a internal inventory. When you experience a loss and you're going into things that trigger memories, birthdays, mm-hmm. anniversaries, right? In this case, the holidays, you want to consider what are the things that are really important to me to hold on to? And what are the things that I'm ready to let go of? For many widows, I really encourage them to look through okay, let's think about like what are some of your best memories? from the holiday past that you really treasure that you want to keep for yourself and your family. And what are ones that maybe didn't love them, still don't Uh love them? (laughs) Let go of those first. If going to the company holiday party was never your thing, it doesn't need to be your thing now to show everyone that you're okay. That's not your responsibility. Jordan, I think that we need to just stop. What you just said is so important that you don't have to go to show everyone you're okay to make them feel better. That is so unbelievably powerful because I know so many of us, that's what we're trying to do. Myself included. As a mother, my thinking is always whatever's going on with me, like everyone else has to think I'm okay because that's how I protect my children. That's how I, as a professional, become more successful. But again, this idea is self-created. Yeah. It's not actually true. We think it's true, but it isn't. And so when you force yourself to keep sort of wearing the clothes of someone you're not, that's how the world sees you. If it's not who you really are, 
there is something that they're going to notice that's not authentic for you and it's not going to accomplish what you're trying to accomplish anyway. Whereas if you acknowledge your feelings, if you don't go to that holiday party or maybe, you know, your cousin's Christmas brunch was never your favorite. Hey, that is okay. You have nothing to prove except to yourself. Because if we don't put ourselves first, and what I mean by that is, you know, that expression, you have to put the mask on yourself first before you put your mask on your child on a plane, right? Exactly. It's never more true than when we're going through loss and crisis. Yeah. So the more you try to focus on the external and focus on what other people are thinking, the less secure you become for yourself, the less safe, the less able to experience, the more shut down you have to be. That's why also it's so important to consider what are the things that I really loved most that I do want to put my energy into, that I do want to make that part of our traditions moving forward. Even though there might be sadness attached to it, it can still be a wonderful experience. I wanted to share, there was a survey that came out that was talking about the stress that women have around the holidays. And this company, Alavest, they surveyed about 2,000 women and 38% said that their stress significantly increases around the holidays. Gift giving, cooking large meals, making meal plans. And what you're talking about, what I love, it's planning. It's really looking at, like you said, what are the things that are important to me? And by looking at those events, maybe whether it's an event, it's an office party, it's a family gathering, it's a cookie swap, whatever that might be, making that conscientious decision of these are the things I'm going to attend. And these are the things that I'm just not going to be able to do this year that I don't necessarily want to do and how empowering that really is. I'd love to hear from you also, again, just about trying to make the holidays as joyful as possible, not only around the loss of your spouse and not having them there, but, you know, we started talking about secondary losses and one of them for almost every widow is financial. For older widows in particular, the average drop in social security is anywhere from 33 to 50%. Imagine half of the income gone. I mean, on average, typically it's a third, but it could even be more than that. So now you're going into one of the, if not the most expensive part of the year. What are your thoughts for being able to get through this time, making sure that you are as financially whole as possible? So the secondary loss that I think gets triggered here is loss of identity and loss of future, particularly identity. And when we're feeling a loss of identity, a lot of times we cling to things, material things. I love my house. Maybe I do a little retail therapy, things that bring us comfort. Got it. Yeah. Maybe I go to the spa more, whatever that thing is, because we're clinging to, if I can just surround myself by these physical things, it will bring me a comfort that will allow me to keep 
functioning. And so something that you can do that I think is really powerful, and actually I use with almost every client, is something called a core values assessment. I also refer to them maybe as like your life deal breakers. A core value is something that transcends your personal and professional life. It's not just a value that is important to you professionally. It's not just something that's important to you personally. It's what are the overarching values that you need in order to really be happy in your life. When you're able to look at it from that perspective and distill it down to three to five words, I can say with certainty, I've only ever had one client whose core value they thought, and it didn't even turn out to be one, was monetary success. Because for the majority, the vast majority of us, it's what that success brings, what feelings that evokes for us, that is really what's the value. The financial piece is the means to the end. And so if you're able to think about what are the things I truly value, it helps you say, okay, my financial situation may have changed, but these values can still be honored. I can Uh still align my day-to-day life with these values and be a happy person. So when the holidays are coming, for me, when I self-reflect, my core values Two of them are family and autonomy. Those two things are always present in anything that I do. And so around the holidays, the family piece sounds pretty self-evident. I want to do things that create meaningful experiences with my children. I want to bring my children to be with my extended family because for me, that is a core value. I get so much from that. And autonomy for me means being able to decide what my holiday plans look like and what my gift giving looks like for myself, Uh not being Uh influenced or dictated to by someone else's agenda. Yeah, I love those. And I love the idea. And I really encourage everyone who is listening to start to think about those three to five words of those core values that you have. When I think about core values, I think of family, I think of adventure, and I think of security and safety, similar to you, spending time with family. Adventure, I try not to buy material gifts for my children, but instead do things together that are kind of special. So my son's delayed birthday present is he's going to a World War II reenactment at a museum. Granted, it's only like $30 for the whole day, but he's like so over the moon and he's going to dress up. So, you know, he's 17, Jordan. He's 17. Bless, he's dragging his little sister and his daddy. Makes it so clear where you're like, got it. And I do feel like we hold ourselves out to certain standards, have to give this much in gifts, need to make sure that I'm giving to charity, right? All those appeals. I feel like I get one every day, either in my email box or my snail mail box. And instead, really just thinking about your values, what's important to you. And maybe giving to charity is one of them, but maybe instead it's 
volunteering at a shelter or a soup kitchen where they desperately need your help. Absolutely, Stacey. You know, I have 10-year-old twins. We have gone through both extremes of giving them way too many gifts that, frankly, I'm sure many of your listeners can relate to this, but at some point, the objects, the gifts become irrelevant. The first one is great. And then after that, they sort of lose interest. And then we've also done years where we've only done experiences and we've taken them the big trip we did. And for me, probably the only trip I will do was to Disneyland this year. And that was a birthday present for them. What was wonderful about it, and I can say this as someone who truly does not enjoy any type of that activity at all, but it made them so happy. Every Mm. day we were together creating memories, experiencing something joyful. And that was money worth. So powerful, right? Yeah. Whether you're having a financial hardship or not after the loss of your partner, I really want to drill home the message that if you have a family, this is now a crucial time for you to focus on the experience and being there for them. Because especially for women who have younger children, they now need that beautiful memory more than ever. And they need to replace some of the lost their feelings, some of their own secondary losses with something positive and beautiful that even if it has some sadness surrounding it, is something new that they can build on and that Mm -hmm. you can build on together with them. That's beautiful. We have gone through so much. How do our listeners get a hold of you, Jordan? I know that you do a lot of coaching, working with the individuals who are dealing with all different types of loss from losing a spouse, but you know, a parent, a child, there's so many different areas that I know you focus on. How do our listeners get a hold of you? The easiest way to get in touch with me is usually through my website, which is catalyst for the number four changecoaching.com. I'm actually in the process of putting together a group coaching program for widows to start in January. So I will have information up on the site regarding that program. There's also one that will be starting in January for women going through divorce. That really is the best way to reach me. Perfect. And for all of you listening, we will have in the show notes all of Jordan's contact information, a link to your website as well so that you can go on and see all the different offerings, get more support. I just can't thank you enough, Jordan, for sharing your time to help our listeners navigate both emotionally, physically, but also financially through the holidays. Thank you so much, Stacey. It was such a pleasure to be here. Well, I don't know about you, but the core values exercise is something that I feel like we all should do not only to have in front of us to really recognize what's important to our life during the holidays, but quite frankly, throughout the entire year. I know that that is one of my big to-dos that I'm going to be tackling just even later today. We talked about finances and concerns and for women who are widowed, 
they are much more likely to live in poverty above age 65. Well, these are dismal statistics, and my goal is to reverse them. If you have any questions about your finances, please reach out to me. At Francis Financial, we specialize in working with widows, helping them rebuild your financial life after the loss of your spouse. We are here for you. You don't have to do it on your own. Please reach out to Stacy S-T-A-C-Y, at francisfinancial.com, or you can visit our website at www.francisfinancial.com. Thank you for joining us at Financially Ever After Widowhood. We'll see you in two short weeks. Thank you for tuning in to Financially Ever After Widowhood. If there's a question you'd love for us to answer on the podcast, we can do that for you. All you have to do is give us a call. And the number is 347-682-5580. Let me say that again. 347-682-5580. Whether you're working with an advisor or you're maybe doing it on your own, we invite you to reach out to us at www.francisfinancial.com or you can email me at stacy, S-T-A-C-Y, at francisfinancial.com. Our hope is to be a resource for you to help you also find a great financial advisor, whether that be with our firm or one of our trusted colleagues. Please be sure to like, rate, and subscribe to the podcast and join us next time on Financially Ever After Widowhood.